Harvard uh, did a study, really interesting. It started in 1938, if you can imagine that. Um, they were doing a study on, in their human development department on what causes people to flourish. What's the difference between people who seem to thrive and people who don't? And it was interesting. That study has gone on 84 years, if you can imagine. Last year, they, they produced their findings. And interestingly enough, Harvard said the number one distinguishing factor for people who are really flourishing are people who have good, healthy relationships. Let me say that again. People who have good, healthy relationships. In other words, they say when our relationships are good and healthy, we're happier. Now, we know that, don't we? I mean, you think about the times when you really feel like life is going well, and it's usually when you're at peace with the people around you, and you feel like you're harmonizing well with the people around you. When you think about the times when life isn't going so well, it usually has something to do with the fact that you're at odds with someone, or there's some kind of relational tissue going on. And uh, so I want to I build on that. Um, we know uh, a couple of things. First of all, we know that relationships are important to God. Um, God created us to live in community. He was the one who said, it's not good to be alone. And many of you have said, well, God, if you don't want me to be alone, then why don't you give me some people other than the idiots I've got to be around? You know, you know I, I want to be with people. And, uh, and, and at the same time, it's so important to God, not only that we do this, that we do it well. You know, the, the Lord, when Jesus was asked the question, what's the greatest commandment? You remember what he said? He said, it's to love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. Don't forget this. And then he said, and the second one is equally important. And that's that you love your neighbor as you love yourself. Now, that word neighbor in the Greek is simply a word that means you're near one. And who are the nearest ones to you? It's your family, your friends, your coworkers, the people that you're close to. It's important to God that you relate to them in a good and healthy way, just like you do with him. Now, I want to talk about this because this is the, the great cry that I hear every, every year uh, from people when I talk about, you know, things that I can preach on. People say, you know, can you talk about relationships? Can you talk about family? Can you talk about marriage? Because those are the things that so many of us wrestle with. And there's a reason for that. Can we just be honest for a second? Most of us came from families where we didn't have good models of relationships. A lot of us came out of families where there was a lot of dysfunction. And our, we, we never saw what good, healthy relationships are really like. And we don't get a lot of good teaching on that along the way. So it's really important that we step back and, and we look at what the Bible has to say. Because believe it or not, the Bible has an awful lot to say, not just about the importance of relationships, but what those relationships ought to look like. So here's what I'm going to do. Beginning today, I'm going to give you seven habits of great relationships. Now, a little disclaimer. I'm not going to fix all your relational problems, okay? Yeah, you didn't, you, you didn't, you didn't make this mess in a, in a few weeks, and I'm not going to untangle it in a few weeks. But here's what I am going to do. I'm going to give you some nuggets of truth that I promise you, if you put them into practice, from your end of things at least, your relationships will be a whole lot healthier. Look at me. Please don't miss this. You can't change the people around you but you can change you with God's help, amen? And, and so that's what we're gonna look at. We're gonna look at what are these habits that we can put into practice. Here's the first one I wanna talk about today. The first one is, believe it or not, I wanna talk about the habit of honesty. 
I want to talk about the habit of honesty. Now, that seems so simple, and that seems like, would you really need to talk about this? Oh, yeah, we do. I love what Proverbs 24, 26 says. This is just a great verse. Read it out loud with me. He says, an honest answer is like a kiss on the lips. How many of you enjoy a good kiss on the lips? Really? Only six of us? <laughs> What he means by that is a kiss on the lips is something intimate, it's something close, it's something personal. And the fact of the matter is when people are honest with us, think about it for a second, when people are really honest with us and we're honest with them, we feel closer, we feel connected to them. That's what the, the writers talk about. But here's the deal, gang. We're not honest with each other. We're rarely honest with each other. There was a book written some years ago called The Day America Told the Truth. And in that, listen to these stats they quoted. 91% of Americans lie about trivial matters. 36% of Americans lie about important matters. 86% regularly lie to their parents, kids. 75% regularly lie to friends. 73% regularly lie to their siblings. And 69% of the people surveyed admitted that they regularly lie to their spouses. Now, many of you don't, aren't thinking, I promise you, many of you aren't thinking the fact that you're lying but you are, and we'll talk about that in, in just a moment. I, I saw this in the news. I thought, this is, you want a great picture of what relationships are like in America? It's this, right here. Throw that up on the screen. That's a, uh, that picture that, that you see is a forgery that a couple of brothers in, in Spain uh, created. I think it was, uh, the, it was a painting, I think it was Goda or Goya, whatever the guy's name was. He was supposed to be a famous, I'm not into painting. He's was a famous Spanish painter. And uh, it's very, you know, these paintings are very, rich. well, they, 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 were, they created this forgery and they were selling it. They put it on for uh, like 1.7 million francs, about $2 million American. And uh, they found an, an Arab sheik who said he would buy it. And so they, he bought it for 1.7 million Swiss francs, which is what you see in front of you. And so these brothers collected the money and they were skipping uh, through uh, uh, customs in France. And when they got pulled aside and they spotted the money and customs officials pulled all this money out, the money was photocopied money. Photocopied money. It wasn't real francs. They were photocopied. Think of the irony of this. A forged painting bought with fake money. And I thought, isn't that a picture? You lie to me, I'm going to lie to you. And then we're all kind of playing on the same field. Now, I want to talk about honesty. And first of all, why is it so important? Now, I've got a lot of stuff to get through. I'm going to talk fast, so you're going to have to listen fast. Are you ready? Grab your pens. Let's go. Why is honesty so important? Several reasons. Honesty builds trust. You understand that. If you're not honest with me, I can't trust you. And trust is the foundation of relationships. Secondly, think about this. Honesty invites honesty. Honesty invites honesty. Think back to the last deep conversation you have with someone, and usually it's about when I get honest with you and I start really bearing my heart, guess what? It invites you to bear your heart to me. Honesty invites honesty. Secondly, on, thirdly, honesty is freeing. It's freeing. Isn't it great when you don't have to think about what did I tell them, you know? When you're being honest, you don't have to have a great memory because you're speaking in truth. Fourth, honesty creates security in a relationship. 
When people know that you're being straight with them, you know what? There's a sense of security that happens. And this last one's really important. Honesty earns respect. Honesty earns respect. I want you to think about the people in your life who you really, really respect. And I'm I'm gonna guess they were people who were honest with you. Honest with you when other people weren't honest with you. Honest with you when they had to say hard things. Honest with you when they had to speak up and talk to you about something that they didn't really want to talk about. You respect those people. Why? Because you knew they had your best interests and concern and they were speaking honestly. Does that make sense to you? Now, I want to spend the rest of this message, I want, to, I want to help you put this into practice. Because I think we get the idea, yeah, I need to be honest, but you know, when am I not being honest? And what does it look like to really be honest? I'm going to give you several, several ways you can put this into practice. You ready? Here we go. Here's the first one. Be honest in small things. Be honest in small things. Did you hear that first quote, that first stat I read you in that? 91% of Americans lie about trivial matters. So interesting how we find it easy to lie about small things. For instance, uh, let's say you schedule an appointment with someone, and uh, let's say you forget, and then all of a sudden you remember, and now you're going to be late, and you zoom to wherever it is to meet them for the appointment. Now, none of us want to say to someone we care about, I forgot about you. That feels hurtful. And so we say things like, I got caught in traffic, or my kid threw up, or you fill in the blank. I got caught by a train. We, we often will make up some kind of lie because we don't really want to say what really happened. But the deal is, if, if they discover, and they will often discover what the truth really is, it breaks the relationship. It doesn't enhance it. Does that make sense to you? Yeah, I mean, and often people know when we're lying. They say, oh, I got caught by a train. And they can look on your face, and most of us are not great poker players. You know, and whatever we're saying, they're looking at us going, that's not really the truth. And people want the truth. I love how Jesus framed this in Luke 16. Read it with me. He says, if you are faithful in little things, you will be faithful in large ones. But if you are dishonest in little things, you won't be honest with greater responsibility. Now, here's what I want you to understand. When we learn how to be honest, even in the small matters, we're we're laying a habit in our life of simply telling the truth. And, And as you layer that foundation in your life, that habit begins to take root in bigger things as well. You know, sometimes we're worried how somebody's going to respond if we tell the truth in a, in a small matter. And I, I thought about this. I wrote this down in your outline. A small punishment for being honest is better than the high cost of distrust. Camp on that for a while. Number two, second thought I want to give you, and this is going to be hard for most of us in this room. Be honest about your thoughts and emotions. Be honest about your thoughts and emotions. Come on, it's just us. How many of you have ever had someone ask you the question, how you doing? And you said, I'm fine. And you were lying. Come on. Oh, some of you are lying, but not even holding your hand up. (laughs) 
we do that. Don't we? You know, it, it's so funny. Uh, you know, I, if I come home, you know, and Wanda's had a bad day or, you know, back when the kids were young, when her and, the, and, and our oldest son would go at it, and I come home and I walk in the kitchen and she's slamming cupboard doors shut, you know, bang, and she's slamming things up there. And I go, honey, is everything okay? She, it's fine. Is she telling the truth? No, no. She's not. And we do that. Now look at me. And some of us do that all the time. We don't really review. And we think, we think we're being coy and we think we're camouflaging. Look at me. You're not nearly as good at hiding your thoughts and feelings as you think. In fact, I, I love that picture. Throw that picture up on the screen. This is what most of us look like. Yeah. You know, we're all frazzled. I'm doing fine. How you doing? Yeah, yeah. We, we, everybody, everybody knows you're not doing fine. Oh, I saw this cartoon. I just thought, this is, this is what so many of us do. Throw that cartoon up on the screen. Here's a guy. He's in a sinking boat. Got a hole in the boat. And his, a friend says from another boat, hey, buddy, you need some help down there? And what's he say? Oh, no, I'm fine. Thank you. And he says, you sure? We got plenty of room here if you like. He goes, oh, no, no, no. It's okay. Now, look, by now his boat's underwater. I, I, I hate to be a... I guarantee you, there were some of you who said that this last week. I hate to be a bother. Oh, no trouble at all. It, no, not at all. It's no trouble, really. No, please. Now, now he's going down. He's about to drown. No, please. I'll be fine. Thank you for the offer, though. No problem. Feel free to reach out if you need anything. Ha ha. You got it. Now, that ridiculous cartoon is how some of us live our lives. Some of us are really struggling and we want some of this stuff to come out. But for whatever reason, we have found it difficult to have the courage to really share what we're thinking or, or what we're feeling. Look, look at what Paul says um, in, in Galatians 6.2. Read it with me. He says, share each other's burdens and in this way, obey the law of of Christ, share each other's burden. In other words, look at me. I can't share your burden if you don't tell me what's going on. Now, I want you to get this because this happens so often in relationships. Sometimes we get mad at people in our relationships because they can't read our mind. Look at me. I love you, but that's not fair. When someone loves you enough to ask how you're doing, you need to love them enough to tell the truth. Amen? Oh, that was lame. Amen? Okay. Very good. That's why I said in your outline, it's not fair to be mad at people for not being able to read your mind. Number, the next thought I want to give you, and this is hard for us too, give honest opinions and evaluations. When people ask you for your opinion, or ask you for feedback, be honest, be honest. Now, a little caveat, we'll talk about this later. How many of you have people in your life, you know when they ask you for your opinion, they really don't want your opinion, they want you to tell them what they wanna hear? How many of you have people like, okay, you know who those are, they don't want the truth, that's okay. You can't, again, you can't change them, that's okay, that's okay. But most people, healthy, healthy people want honest opinions and they want honest feedback and we owe it to them to be honest with them. 
You know, I've, I've discovered that most of us, as we're working with people, or whether we're, whether we're raising kids or whether we're dealing with people, we're, most of us go to one or two extremes. Either we think we can't be honest and praise people be, because if we praise them too much, they'll get the big head. And so our kid comes home with a, you know, a great card that has uh, all A's and you know, two B's or something like that, and we go, why did you get two B's? You know, it's like we've got to, we can never say something nice because we're trying to motivate them to do better. And what we're really doing is making neurotics out of people. The, the other extreme, and this is the culture of kindness that we often create in the church, this culture of kindness that prevents us from speaking up to someone. And, and so when people say, give me some feedback, how did I do as a teacher today? Oh, I was fine. You slept through it. You know, or how, how, did you, how, did, how, did, how do you think this went? How does this event go? It, you know, when we, every time we do an event here at Chartel, we, in our staff meeting, we do an after action review. We talk about that video. We talk about what went well, what worked the way we wanted it to, did it achieve the goals that we had. We, we go through that. But then we ask this question, what do we need to do better? What do we need to do better? Because sometimes when we do things, they don't go well. And it's important that they go, well, people, people won't trust you if they think that you're lying to them. And it's not fair to, to, to lie to people. I had a, I, I think I shared this some time ago, but I'll never forget, I was visiting a town uh, where I was a speaker and I had a pastor friend that asked me to meet with me. And when I went in to, to sit down, we were having coffee together. He asked me the question. I said, well, what, what, I, what do you need help with? He goes, I need to know how to fire someone. I said, oh, okay. He said, you've had to fire people before, right? And I said, yeah, I've, I've done that. Not pleasant, but I've had to do that. And he said, well, how do you do that? And I said, well, tell me the situation. And he said, well, I got these two employees. They're not doing their job, blah, 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 blah. And, uh, and I need to get rid of them. I, and I don't know how to do that. I've never done that before. And I said, well, let's take a half step back. When you called them in and you pointed out what they were doing wrong, how did they respond? Dead silence. And he admitted he had never called them in. He had never told them what they were doing wrong. He had hinted that he hoped they would do better, but he had never given them honest feedback. And I looked at him and I said, dude, you can't fire someone when you've never told them what they're doing wrong. Does this make sense to you? People want to be, if you've ever been on the receiving of that in a job, it's maddening. It's maddening. Learn how to give honest, you know, opinions and honest feedback to people. My staff, Jordan's here this morning, our student ministries pastor. My staff will tell you that when I tell them they did a good job with something, they believe me. And why do you believe me, Jordan? Yeah. And what do I tell you if you're not doing a good job? Exactly. Now, again, look at me. Here's to share my heart. I'm not a mean boss. Don't you say anything. <laughs> yeah. I'm not a, but I am honest. And when, and when they, they nail it, they nail it. And, and when I do reviews with them, I say, here's what you're doing well. I'm so proud of you. You've grown here. You've done this. You've done that. But here's some areas we need to work on. Why is that important? Because every single one of us want honesty spoken to us. If not, we can't grow. Does this make sense to you? Okay. I, I love the Proverbs there from Proverbs 27, 6. Read it with me. Wounds from a sincere friend are better than many kisses from an enemy. Now, let me, let me connect this to another piece, though, this next thought. 
Make sure that your honesty is tempered by kindness. Make sure that your honesty is tempered by kindness. There are some of us watching online and there are some of us in this room who are feeling pretty good about ourselves because we say, well, Pastor Steve, I'm always honest with people. They don't always want to hear what I have to say, but I'm always honest. I tell it like it is. Look at me. What you're being is not honest. What you're being is rude. And you need to know that. Look at me. I need you, I need you to hear this. How you say what you say is as important as what you say. Can I say that again? I don't think I can. Let me do it. How you say what you say is as important as what you say. Paul calls us to speak the truth, but he says, speak the truth, how? In love, in love. Now, I'm pretty good with emotional intelligence. Um, I'm pretty good about reading my own mood and reading the moods of other people and adapting but sometimes I get it wrong. And I just want to confess to you publicly, none of us, none of us does this stuff perfectly. Can we just agree to that? We don't, we don't do this stuff perfectly. Can I tell you a time I blew it? Some of you are going, please do, Pastor. We want to hear how you fail. Good. I, uh, my wife, Wanda, grows her hair long. And uh, when she grows it to a certain length, she would always go get her hair cut and donate her hair to Locks of Love, where they make wigs for cancer patients or, or whatever. And uh, uh, some years back, uh, here in Oklahoma City, um, my oldest son had moved here, and they were in a house, and there was a day Wanda went to get her hair cut at Locks of Love, and uh, I was going to meet her at Ben's house. They were going to do some cleaning or some painting or something. I don't remember what all they were doing. And I got to the house, and I was, uh, I was talking with Ben, and uh, Wanda was down in the, around the corner in the hallway, and I could hear her voice, but I didn't see her. And when I stepped out, she leaned back and she said, how do you like my haircut? Now, every husband in this room knows that's a setup. <laughs> yeah, you know, does this make me look fat? Boy, look at the time. I'm, I got to. Yeah. Um, so she, she pops her head back. I, her hair was ridiculous. It was, it was horrible. I mean, it was, it was a, an uneven cut. Uh, it was it was sticking up over here and it was sticking out over here and it was plastered. I mean, she was hot and sweaty anyway, and it was it was it was a bad haircut that was made look even worse in the situation. She she leaned back and she said, "How do you like my haircut?" And I went, "That's hideous." I said that out loud. That's hideous. Now. I know that the men in this room are not the smartest breed in the world. But how many of you guys can go, Pastor, I know that was the wrong thing to say. Yeah, 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 it's just dumb. But I said that. And immediately, as soon as it was out of my mouth, I knew it was the wrong thing to say. Now, fortunately, my wife's a lot tougher than I am. If somebody had said that to me, I'd have been in a fetal position in a corner, crying my eyes out. But Wanda's like, she laughed, rolled, you know, rolled off because she, it was a bad hair. Now, it's okay to be honest, but couldn't I have said that a little differently? Of course I could have, you know. I, 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 could have, I could have said, oh, honey, you know, I could have ran over to her. Look what they did to your beautiful hair. Who are they? I'm going to have my Uncle Guido take them out. You know, I mean, I could, I, I, I could have said something. Like, or, I, or I could have said, if I'd have been thinking on my feet, I could have said, you know, Wanda, it's, it is so good that you are so incredibly beautiful. It doesn't even matter what they do to your hair. 
How many of you ladies said that's getting closer right there? Yeah, 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 yeah. I, I could have said it a lot differently, and, and it's really important, and here's what I've learned. How you say what you say is as important as what you say. Temper your, your opinions. Temper your honesty with kindness. Amen? Does that make sense? Okay. I, I love how Paul says it in Colossians. He says, let your conversation be what? Gracious and effective so that you will have the right answer for everyone. That's why I put the statement, being honest is not an excuse for being harsh or rude. Now, if you're ever doubting whether you should be honest, and and this is the situation we find ourselves in all the time. I, I, I get this question from people all the time about relationships. You know, should, should I do this? Should I do this? I want to give you what I think is the most magical rule in relationships that you'll ever use. It's found in what we call the golden rule. And that's why I put on your outline. It, this, if you ever doubt whether you should be honest, do the golden rule test. What's the golden rule? Matthew seven twelve. read it out loud with me. Do to others what you would like them to do to you. This is so simple but this is so profound. If you're sitting there asking yourself the question, should I be honest with them about this? Should I be honest with them about that? Here's all you need to say. If it were me and I was saying that, I was doing that, would I want someone to be honest with me? Would I want someone to tell me? Would I want someone to be honest with me about that? And if the answer is yes, I would want someone to tell me, then do unto others what you want others to do unto you. Does this make sense? And that little litmus test will will solve a a lot of relational questions for you. Because the moment you put yourself in in their place and ask that question, how would I want them to respond? All you gotta do is do, that's what Jesus says, just do to them what you would want them to do to you. Give them the truth, say it in a nice way. That's what God is calling us to do. And, this, and it makes a difference, especially in, in, in big situations. I read a, a, there was a gal named Karen Rudd who was talking about her mom. And uh, this is just such a great story. I want you to listen to this. In the late 1960s, she said, I was 17 and my mother was stricken with colon cancer and she was given six months to live. She asked my father for one thing and that is that we would all start going to church together. Shortly after her diagnosis, she asked our new pastor if she could be anointed with oil and prayed for. She did not ask to be completely healed, but she asked that she would be given life long enough to see that her children were safely on their road to life once her kids grow up. She became ill for the last time when my baby sister, who was 11 when my mom was diagnosed with cancer, had graduated from high school. In other words, seven years after her diagnosis. She was only given a few months, but she lived seven more years. She said, during that last hospitalization, I, I, I watched her mental condition deteriorate to the point that she began to get confused. Her kidneys were shutting down and her blood chemistry was completely out of whack. Tumors were found uh, on her brain and there was nothing they could do. Several days after she was admitted, I arrived for my daily visit only to have me question her question me angrily about what she was really doing and that, that angrily about telling me that, that, her the, that the real reason that she was in the hospital. 
And, and I didn't want to tell her the real reason. So she went on to explain that she thought she was really in the hospital for her nerves, not because of her cancer. I didn't know what to do. I was 24 at the time. I'd never dealt with someone who was dying. I was paralyzed by indecision and fear. In the midst of the turmoil, my brother arrived for a visit. And I watched my mother start to tell him the same thing that she had told me. She said, my heart was pounding as I was wondering how he would handle her confusion. And this is so cool. And she said, calmly, my brother brought a chair up next to her bed. And he reached out and he took my mother's hand. And as he held it gently in hers, he said, mother, you know you will not be leaving this hospital alive. And she said, tears welled up in my eyes, nearly blinding me. As my mother reached out and covered his hand with both of hers. And in a moment of clarity, she whispered, I know. I stayed long enough to watch the two of them face this frightening future together. They spoke of death as an inevitability instead of some far off enemy. He didn't know it at the time, but he was giving mother permission to stop the war against her disease. She went into a coma that night, and two days later, she died. And I've never forgotten the courage that I saw my brother summon that night. He had taken a difficult walk with my mother from her state of denial to that peace of acceptance. That moment has been a life lesson for me. It's helped me face my own mortality and the mortality of people that I've known who have died since then. Perhaps my brother thinks that what he did on that day was nothing special, but it was. Sometimes truth isn't pretty or pleasant, but it's the truth that sets us free. You see, that son asked himself this question. If I were dying in a bed, would I want my children to tell me? And the answer was yes. He did for her what he would want someone else to do for him. Let me give you one more thought. To be honest with others, you must first be honest with God and yourself. To be honest with others, you must first be honest with God and yourself. You know, one of, the, one of the things I just so love about our Celebrate Recovery people is that the first step you have to take to really find health and healing in your life is to become rigorously honest with God and yourself about where you're at. Because if you're not honest with God and yourself about who you are, what you're dealing with, what you're going through, or what the challenges of your life are, if you're not rigorously honest with yourself before God, you can't and won't be open and honest with other people. Psalm 51.6, look what the psalmist says. Read it with me, church. But you desire honesty from the heart so you can teach me to be wise in my inmost being. Two questions for you. One, are you being honest with the people around you? Hear my heart. A lot of us are creating our own relational problems 
by not being honest with other people. And it's time we found the courage to do that. Second, most important, are you being honest with God? Are you facing the stuff in your own life that you need to look at? Are you open with God about dealing with you at that heart level about the things that you're feeling, the things that you're experiencing, and the stuff that you're dealing with? Because you're never, you're never going to be able to be honest with your family and your friends and the people around, not really honest, until you get honest with God. So that's our prayer today. I'm going to ask my prayer partners to go ahead and just uh, take your places if you don't mind. While they're coming, I, I just want to invite you to this time of prayer. And, um, and this morning, first and foremost, I, I just want you to do a heart check. And I just want you to answer this question for yourself. Are you being honest with God? My guess is there are some of us have got some stuff going on in our life that we haven't admitted to God. Some failures that we've not confessed. Some pain that we haven't lived up to. Some faults that we haven't really owned. And, and again, the greatest gift you can give yourself and your family and your friends is to just humble your heart before God and say, Lord, I, I've been holding this back. You know, I wrote my devotion this morning on hiding from God. And, and that's what so many of us do. We, we come to church with these painted on faces and we pretend like everything's okay and everything's not okay. And we need to be able to be open and honest before God with that. Are you being honest with other people? Maybe some of you this morning, as I was sharing, began to identify, man, I need to do better at that. Maybe your prayer this morning is, God, would you help me? I'm, I, I'm honest with you, but I know I've got some other stuff that I'm not being honest with other people about. And I'm gonna need your help to have the courage to do that. I want those to be your prayers today. Our prayer partners up here, they'll be happy to pray with you about anything going on in your life. Could be for you, uh, could be for a family member, could be a friend. It could have nothing to do with the message today. It might have to do with some health issues that you're facing or some struggles that you're dealing with or maybe you're concerned about someone and you just want someone to agree in prayer with you about that. They're gonna be here. We're gonna sing this song. It's my, one of my favorite hymns. It's just a first verse and chorus of this song that sometimes I'll come in the sanctuary and I'll just pick it out on the piano myself. And it's a song that says, I surrender all. Let this be your moment before God where you surrender all. Let's pray. Our fathers, we come before you. Um, Lord, my prayer would be that first of all, you would help us to be just open and honest before you. Sometimes, Lord, we come to church with sin that we haven't confessed with pain that we haven't admitted with faults that we haven't owned and you can't heal what we hide so today Lord I, I pray for every person in this room every person watching online that you would help us today to just bear our heart before you and allow you to begin to do a healing and transforming work in us. You know where we need that special touch today. And I pray that you would meet us at our point of need. Father, you know too how hard it is sometimes to be rigorously honest in relationships. We're taught along the way sometimes it seems to, to lie or to give half-truths and 
And what's so interesting is that we're all starving for relationships where people are real. People are honest. And people are saying what they really mean. And Father, my prayer today was that you would help us to develop that habit in our own lives, in our own relationships. We can't love others the way you want us to love others until we're honest with them. So help us, dear God, to be as honest with one another as you are with us. Father, we love you today. Continue to walk with us on this journey of rigorous honesty, we pray. In the precious name of our Lord Jesus Christ. And everyone said, amen.